exclusive America, Washington, D.C., signing on. It has been a minute since my voice and your ears have connected, creating the theater of the mind that is Radio Contra. And it is very good to be back with you in here, live in the studio, coming at you from the underground guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. I, of course, am the best-selling author of the Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio, NC Scout, and man, oh man, it has been uh, right, right around two weeks since the last Sons of Liberty episode got kicked out, and I think right around three weeks since we have done a normal, normal, if you can call it that, uh, normal episode of a Radio Contra, but here we are. Here we are, and of course, Shooter Jennings bringing us in with uh, the uh, coming off of the Black Ribbons album, When the Radio Goes Dead, and uh, man, oh man, that, I'll tell you something, that song and that track has garnered, I think, more questions than any of the other music that I have ever played on Radio Contra. People really, really like it. Of course, they liked Rage Against the Machine. A few of you out there didn't like Rage Against the Machine. And there's been a few of you that like, bring bring Rage back, man, bring Rage back. Well, you know, um, everything that I play on this show, every song that I play, every uh, musical reference that I make, it all has a very deep meaning. Some of it's a very deep personal meaning to me, and some of it is a, a deeper meaning uh, sunken somewhere into the message. And that that track, that whole album, is a very important one to me, and I think a very important one to freedom lovers out there everywhere, the freedom activists, all of us who are standing up, whether you're a, a right-wing guy, left-wing, uh, you know, liberty-oriented, but more populist, I'll say, and, and there are some out there, I've, I've known plenty of them, um, you know, and, and uh, of course the libertarians like me, anybody that enjoys freedom, and anybody who is appalled at the condition that we see the United States, our republic, falling into today. And it is a very, very dire condition that we see. And, um, you know, we're, we're coming in here into the studio 
on the, the heels of the Durham report being released, and uh, of course, I'm, I'm going to be diving into this in the show, and I, I don't, I don't really want the Durham report to cast a shadow over the, the beginning of this show, really the show in general, because the news is is blue, and the news is going to keep you down, and the world is going to beat you down, and conservative media is going to say this, that, and the other, and the left wing media is going to say this, that, and the other, and they're going to beat you down, and they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you over and over and over again inside of their little dichotomy that they have created, this world that they have created, that in the end you are powerless individually. You are powerless before the Leviathan, that you are powerless to do anything about it. Why? They create their enemies. Whichever side of the media, because you have to understand there's two sides of the corporate media coin. And if you did not think so, if you did not think so, Tucker Carlson would like a word with you. Because he ran afoul of the corporate media complex. And of course, in the last Sons of Liberty episode, I was talking about the Howard Beale role. In case you have not seen Network. Network classic movie okay classic movie uh, late 1970s in case you haven't seen it you need to watch it there's so much truth in that there's a failing TV network right because back in those days you had your big three right ABC NBC CBS and there was always a struggle in in media history and television history there was always a struggle for a fourth network but a fourth network, and many people tried it, the Dumont Network, the Paramount Network, the, the original Paramount Network, right? Fox, ah, Fox broke in, Fox figured it out, and Fox News Corp became the fourth television Network. They seemed like for at least a while. And this was back in the 90s, the era of Tony Snow, right? They were the alternative. They were a horse of a different color. They were something different to tell you what was going on on the other side of the looking glass. And it was very much the Howard Beale role that was being played, that was being presented to you. The network itself was playing the Howard Beale role, and this brings us back to network. Howard Beale, of course, was the fourth, uh, the, the fourth anchor on the air because back in those days, and even when I was growing up, even into the 90s, the news anchors themselves were the vanguard of the network. They were the marquee brand of the network. If you saw Dan Rather, you knew that he was the representative face and voice of CBS News. Tom Brokaw, NBC. Peter Jennings, ABC. Right? And so Howard Beale was this same type of character. Except that their network was failing. They were about to be bought out. He was going to be fired. He had bet the farm on this job. And he was done. 
And of course, it was the, the famous line of mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. And I want all of you to go out there and open your windows and scream out into the street. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And I'm here to tell you how it really is. Right? This would become a very, very popular role, especially when the evolution of the 24-hour news cycle would begin. You know, and, and talk radio was very much a part of that, too. Talk radio is very much a part of that. Rush Limbaugh himself and, and a lot of the contemporary uh, giants of conservative talk radio would, would play that role to varying degrees. Tucker Carlson was just probably the best at it and still is. The problem is, is that he became too powerful and he started talking about things that they did not want him to talk about, much like Howard Beale. And while I won't spoil the ending and the truth of Network, I will say this, it is powerful. It is a very powerful ending to a very powerful film. A classic. The one that taught a lot of truth. And so here we are. The whole album, Black Ribbons. You should go listen to it. You should go listen to it. You should contemplate the world in which we live because there's a lot of truth that is in there. If you're a fan of George Carlin, as I am, if you're a fan of comedy in general, I've met Lewis Black once. I very much enjoyed my time with Lewis Black. You know, we might not agree on politics in all cases, but we certainly would have more, I think, that we would agree on than what we disagree. And that's coming from a populist point of view. And that, that's a very, very important point to take because in all cases with populism, you're standing up to corruption. You're standing up to oligarchy. You're standing up to the reality, the very real naked reality, that the government is only in the interest of, of protecting itself and its business. And we see that. That's what the Durham report exposed. And the only reason, by the way, that the Durham report saw the light of day is because they're throwing it in your face. It is a humiliation ritual, as my friend Clay Martin would put it. This is a humiliation ritual. They want you beat down. They want you demoralized. They want you to feel powerless. We understand that the FBI is rotten to the core. We know this. They create a problem so that they can offer a solution and that they only act in the interest of protecting a specific status quo. CIA, same. Exact same. It's gotten to the point where it is rather obvious that they have also picked the political winners and losers. We know that they're in bed with big tech. I've been on the weaponized end of that myself. They've censored me. I showed all of you the evidence. One week... One week prior to the election, midterm elections, Radio Contra was statistically and historically number one. Number one. Even in two weeks, even in two weeks of not being on the air, 
we're still in the top 10. That's due to you. That's due to the following that this podcast has, this wonderful audience that is all of you out there. That's how we can get half a million downloads. That's how we can have nothing more than word of mouth building this brand. That's how it can become what it has become. That's how books can become number one bestsellers and stay there despite being ripped off, despite being cloned on Amazon, cheap imitations that were written, clearly written by ChatGPT. Yeah, that's fine. We endure. Why do we endure? Because we're here to win. And, you know, again, this is very much akin to saying water is wet, right? We know that there's corruption. We understand that. And what people are really looking for out there is a solution. The problem is, is that they're being steered towards wrong solutions more often than not. There's nothing to be gained by going to Washington, D.C. Nothing to be gained whatsoever. I would say and submit to you that in national elections, we very likely will not have another conservative elected to be the president of the United States. They don't even have to campaign. But we are winning at the local most level. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you a very, very strong example. Here in North Carolina, North Carolina Senate, with their super majority, but it's 30 to 20 to override veto of 12-week abortion. Conservative supermajority. This is how we win, folks. This is how we win right here. And yes, this is a winning issue. Do not let the wine moms out there tell you otherwise. This is how we win. We stand on our morals and we have the fortitude to say no. We will win this. We are winning this. And we will continue to win this. And we will throw that win into their faces. We will do these things. We will do these things and we will win. Now, it's a hard road. It is a hard fight. I understand that. And it is a frustrating one. Okay? Believe me. I am a freedom fighter. I am a freedom fighter. Everyone that comes out to class is freedom fighters. And I get the 10,000 foot view of the wonderful community that is patriotic Americans, that is the greatness that we see, right? And and we see that when we have the interaction with people out there in, in the real world, when they can let their hair down, when they can say it's okay to tell me how you really feel about these things. This is such a special thing. And I get to interact with the best of you. It is a gift. It is a gift from God Almighty to be able to interact with this wonderful community, to train with this wonderful community, to be able to communicate with you and have the wonderful audience that I have, that we have together. And so there's positivity that you have to bring to the table. 
If you're not bringing positivity to the table, everybody's negative. I I personally can't stand negative folks that are always, oh, you know, this is terrible. Everything sucks. You know, I'm sorry. I don't have any time for that guy. Show me the solutions. Show me what you're doing. Show me what you are doing. You know, I'll say this. Uh, I think that it is really no mistake, uh, you know, that, that the censors come after us, uh, you know, and, and have, of course, a lot of you subscribe on YouTube, and I got a bunch of messages. When, when are you gonna? When are you gonna post new stuff to YouTube? Um. <laughs> well, I've been saying that videos were forthcoming for some time now. If I could just invent more time during the day to get all the things done, I certainly would. Um, but, but uh, what I will say is this: I'm I'm, I'm working on it. We're getting there. Uh, but, but you know, YouTube censored us. They censored this podcast. They gave me all their their little strikes and misinformation and everything. And I would say that uh, my my uh, personal track record on on. Uh, not being misinformation and being accurate is pretty, pretty strong, pretty stellar. I would say, uh, you know, pretty, pretty accurate. And who are the people that are judging these things, right? Who are the people that are judging them? They, well, the little uh, pink and green-haired vanguards of, of uh, you know, whatever the status quo is supposed to be. And that's why they took all of the conservative shows on the podcasting platforms and removed us one week before the election and replaced us with a bunch of liberal shows that can't even muster a couple hundred subscribers. Hmm. But yet they're, they're uh, ranked number one. And of course, you, you could tell the podcasts that they were really afraid of. You could tell the voices in the room that they were really, really afraid of because they kept us censored for a while. And so they couldn't do it anymore. And they quietly removed the level. And all of a sudden, we shoot back to number one. Oh, magic. All right, it's magic. So, you know, but it is what it is. Again, water's wet. You know that these things are corrupt. You know that they have lied to you. You know that they will continue to lie to you. And it's really, really easy to fall into the black pill trap. Don't do it. Don't take the bait. Just don't. Look around you. Again, we're going to win this, but it's going to be at the local most level. All right? It's going to be at the local most level. And, uh, you know, again, it's a fight. It's a long-term fight. All right? We're not going to win overnight. We're not going to magically uh, fix this overnight. It's not going to happen. Okay, and a lot of the voices in the room that were telling you all the things, well, they, they turned out to be lame ducks. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. But what you're doing now, however engaged you can be, that is going to make a difference. I promise. I promise. It absolutely will. So get out there and get engaged. You know, and... I don't, 
I said in the beginning of the episode, I wasn't I wasn't going to take us down that path. And here we are. So, you know, kind of kind of vented some of my voice on that. Some of my thoughts that I've had in the brewing, uh, you know, spent a lot of hours in the truck over the past couple of weeks, more time on the road than I wanted to or intended to. Uh, but hey, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And, and that just is part and parcel of all this. So I get a lot of time to think and I get a lot of time to uh, put things together. And, uh, you know, I get also a lot of uh, time when I'm on the road, especially when I was coming back from Missouri to really dive deep into things and think about things and, um, you know, sort stuff out. And uh, I wanted to share with you a pretty personal story, uh, something else that I'm doing. Uh, my personal time. So, you know, the gorilla camp, of course, doesn't just get cleaned on its own up here. The uh, the, the wonderful training area that is uh, the home base of Brush Beater Training and Consulting, it doesn't doesn't get cleaned on its own. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And uh, so, you know, I found myself in the market for a new tractor, as uh, life circumstances would take it, and uh, for for a few reasons, uh, for a few reasons, and you know, I've been shopping around for a little while now. Um, yeah, of course, first couple of brands that come to mind, uh, you know, Kubota is certainly at the top of the list in terms of uh, longevity because we've been driving Kubotas for a long time. Um, you know, and uh, those, John Deere is another one. John Deere really uh, holds its value for a long period of time. And, uh, um, you know, and, and so I was shopping around and I was looking at stuff. And I, I'll say, when you are shopping for tractors, it's, it's not like shopping for a car. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not really like that. Um. You know, you, you're really, what you're looking for is dealer support. And historically, that is why uh, in agricultural-oriented corners of the United States, you know, places that are dominated by uh, farmland. You know, when I was out in Missouri, rural Missouri, uh, this last class, you know, it was all farmland out there. It was extremely rural. And uh, so a lot of John Deere. A lot of John Deere, a lot of uh, Case International out there as well. And they had a lot of dealerships for them. You didn't really see other brands because they just didn't have the dealers. And, and this was the, the particular corner that I was in because stuff's going to break. You know, and, and uh, of course, being on a farm, growing up on a farm, you learn to work on, on, on a lot of stuff yourself because money is habitually tight. But what you can't work on yourself, you certainly need to take to a dealer. And, and have that dealer that, that's going to know uh, about the models and be able to help you with, with everything. And, and that's pretty important, right? That's pretty important. And, that, and that's one of the really big selling points. And um, growing up around here, of course, we did have a, uh, and, and still do have a really strong John Deere dealership. But John Deere's historically been the most expensive, right? And um, great tractors. Just you know, great hold their their value for a long period of time, um, but when you're talking about ten percent above everybody else on the market, you know, I, I had a hard time justifying, it, uh, especially when buying new. 
Got a, got a hard time justifying it. All right. So I was looking at Kubota. Well, Kubota's lead times on the particular model that I was looking at, uh, you know, anywhere from the 50 to 60 horsepower range, they had a, a ridiculous lead time. So, hell, you know, this, this is just going to be what it is. Uh, and, um, you know, I'd been in the market. Now, I really didn't didn't talk about this with too many people, you know, other than, than folks in my, my inside circle. And I wasn't really serious about buying anything just yet, right? Um, until it, it was kind of thrown into my face, you know, hey, it, it, something needs to be done. All right, and so I knew when I was coming back from Missouri, I was going to have to buy something. And um, so spending, you know, fifteen hours in the truck driving back from Missouri, was driving out there, think a lot, you know, and, and put a lot of things together. And I was driving back, and um, you know, if you've ever felt a presence with you, um, you know. Relatives that have passed on, you just you just feel them. Just feel them on short, you know. And I, I'm not trying to to say it in any kind of weird way or anything like that, but just you know, you you just feel uh, you you feel a presence. You you feel uh, like they're they're right there with you, you know, and kind of sitting there with you. You miss them, you know. You miss them, and uh, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, losing my dad. Hadn't even been a year yet, and and it's it's good days and bad, you know. It's good days and bad, and uh, I got to thinking about when I was a kid, some of my earliest memories. And uh, man, you know, my my granddad, very first tractor, my very first tractor uh, that that I remember was his it was mass Ferguson 35 and he had that thing you know, it's classic old school classic tractor really revolutionary in you know this part of north carolina it, it kind of it got a lot of the smaller farmers that, that weren't commercial farmers uh got a lot of the smaller farmers away from using plow mules and, and it made an actual affordable tractor of course ford 30 or uh, the mass Ferguson 35 very similar to the Ford 8 in um, you know, just, just, you, you can find those tractors still in use. It's very common around here, right? And then, you know, that, that was Papa's tractor. Well, my dad had a Mass Ferguson 135, the Perkins diesel engine, and that thing was probably the most legendarily tough tractor that that I can think of. I, I mean that that thing was was indestructible, and uh, you you still see a few of those around here. You still see a few of them. Uh, matter of fact, there, there was one that I saw just a couple of days ago, and I, I'll tell you that story here in a minute. But um, anyway, you know, I just I started thinking about all that. This man, Massey Ferguson. I wonder, wonder if they're even still around. I mean, I haven't been in the market for a tractor in, you know, forever. And, uh, you know, we, we with with uh, Kubota's light-duty tractors uh, back in the day, with the shuttle shift and everything on them, you know, we kind of made the switch to that. And it was, a, it was a little bit better, a little more manageable 
a little more efficient for all the things that we were doing back then. Uh, you know, talking about the, the mid-90s right here, it was a big step up in terms of efficiency. You know, you have a loader and, you know, all, all, all the, the things that are pretty common on a small farm tractor now. And, um, you know, and, and Massey Ferguson was kind of just this, this old, old school brand. You know, and, and, and of course, they started bringing out their newer tractors and everything. But um, the dealership here closed up. You know, the, the, uh, the owners, his two brothers that had inherited the business, you know, they ran the dealership, got old, sold it off, shut it down, and that was it. You know, and, and so there was no more Mass Ferguson dealer around here. And, and they, they kind of went by the wayside. You know, and, and you just didn't see too many of those tractors anymore. And, and I got to thinking about it, and I said, man, I haven't looked into that. And I just felt that presence. I felt that presence. That's a, um, it's a strange thing. Man, it's a real strange thing. It's, it's something I can't explain. But, you know, I started looking at Massey Ferguson. I said, lo and behold, the exact model almost down to the same specs but a little bit better in, in some ways was at one of the local dealers and and lo, lo and behold what used to be the ford dealership and then became new holland uh, when, when new holland bought ford uh their tractor division a uh, long time ago and then you know we, we still call that the ford dealership because that, that's just the way that it is around here uh, you know, they at New Holland tractors, they're blue. They'll always be Ford tractors. That's just, you know, old timers call them that. Everybody, it's just they refer to them as. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you're just not changing things. The, the blue tractor brand is just Ford. That just is what it is. Well, um, <laughs> anyway, walk in, and lo and behold, my second cousin, Happened to be the dealer. Just graduated from college. This is his first job. And he's the salesman. Had no idea. No knowledge whatsoever. And walked in. And, and this is what I want to tell you. This is the whole point behind the story. It's not about tractors. It's not about buying equipment. It's not about um, any of that stuff. What it's about, and the reason I'm sharing this with you, is that no matter how bad things get, no matter how uh, fruitless things feel, no matter how powerless you feel in, in all of this, your ancestors are there with you. They're watching you. They're along for the journey, for the struggle that you're going to have. They're there. They're not going to leave your side. Take that to heart. It's important. It's important to know that. They had their struggles too. They saw this. Something my dad used to tell me all the time. You know, the Hillary Clinton email server. Oh, well, nothing will happen to her. She's untouchable. I've seen all this before. Now, you could chalk that up to being blackpilled. You could chalk that up to, well, I'm just not going to do anything about it. Or you could say... That it's really more of a, I'm not going to waste my time wringing my hands over that which I cannot control. However, what I can do is help my son 
which was me, build his business, which is doing something about it. I can host these people here that are coming to class, and I can give them a good time, and I can make barbecue for them, and I can take care of them, I can entertain them. It's a very special thing. Create a family atmosphere. It's really important. That was his contribution. I hope that I can continue that. That's the point behind all this, is that the Lord puts things in our lives. Our ancestors are right there watching. They're right there with it. And if you could see the smile on their face, because they see the big picture behind it all. And that's such a special thing. It is such a wonderful thing. And it is something deserving of praise. That's why we have to concentrate our energy on doing the positive things. Over that which we can control. We can influence our neighbors. We can work with our neighbors. We can make positive changes at the local most level. And it's a trickle-up effect. The left may have captured many of the institutions. They might be breaking the walls down, but they're bringing the walls of the temple and the roof of the temple down upon themselves. Don't you see it? Bud Light is an example. Miller Light is an example. They're bringing it down on themselves. They're caving their temples on top of themselves. They think that they can corrupt the institution, that they can subvert the institution. And what they are doing is they are empowering us. We have that power. This is populism. This is a very strong form of populism. This is an unbeatable form of populism. And it's dedicated to the rebirth of the next incarnation of America. A very good one. A wholesome one. Some folks say that, that they don't think that the body politic is capable of correcting itself. And I agree. I agree. It's not. I, I don't think that it is. This, this, uh, the reality of the FBI, the reality of the the insurmountable corruption, um, you know. And, and when I was in the truck earlier today, getting some uh, on the way to get some some work done, and uh, did some bush hogging, moved a few dead trees around, uh, you know, because because that sixty horsepower got delivered today, and uh, you know if you, if you've got a brand new machine. Like that, you can't just let it sit there. It's not meant for me just to look at. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, with that said, uh, I I was listening to some of the conservative commentators, and I, you know, I I knew what they were going to say. And I, you know, it, they are what they are. Okay, they got to where they got for a reason. They are given a script, and they are kept on the air for a reason. I mean, this is, you know, and of course they, they are there 
to promulgate certain talking points. And I think that it was really significant. They, you know, they, they picked their callers to have on as well. And, of course, they always have that one. It's, well, most of the people in the FBI are good people. Most of the agents in the FBI are good agents. Well, are they? <laughs> I beg to differ. Uh, if, if you know that your organization is corrupted to the level that we see, and you realize that the curtain has been ripped back on its very mission, which is really just to enable political corruption, why are you staying there? Why do you think that you're going to fix it? You're not going to fix it. You're not going to fix any of it. Okay, it, it, that's that's not happening. And I'll tell you this too, that, that uh, any of the Republicans that bring forth very serious motions to disband the FBI. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Do you know why? Because they have dirt on every one of them. They would never, ever get reelected. None of the representatives, none of the senators, they would never get reelected to the national stage if they were clean, if they were honest. Don't you understand that? With maybe one exception. I'll say two, possibly. <sighs> of course, they're not in politics anymore. That that one would be Ron Paul. Uh, I would say maybe the other one would be Dennis Krasinich. They really didn't like him. Uh, the Democrats really didn't like him. He, he was a problem, too. Uh, those... You know, it's, it's kind of a strange, strange, uh, kind of strange position that politicians find themselves in. Um, you know, when you have you have strange bedfellows like Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, opposite ends of the spectrum, for sure, but but were uh, very cordial and spoke together in, in uh, many many venues. Uh, and, and, of course, when you look at the dichotomy of their audiences, a lot of similarities there as well. You know, and this is why a good friend of mine, very well-educated uh, doctor and, and engineer, uh, told me that, that he thinks that, that the, the body politic in America is due for a major political realignment uh, along uh, uh, populist lines. And I agree. I agree. It's hard to see it right now. It's hard to see it, but I think that is coming. You know, it, it's the thing is, you know, we see the border, we see the situation on the border, which you know, I am sidestepping right now. We see the the corruption, the malfeasance that that has occurred in this Proud Boys trial. Uh, you know, that that is, I think, just a, a complete miscarriage of justice. Deserves to be overturned. Deserves to be overturned. Um, all of it. You know, we, we, we now have political prisoners in the United States. That is an absolute fact. It is indisputable. We absolutely do. Right? And, of course, you know, you have your, your uh, Ukraine flag flying normies on the left. There's a few that, that claim they're on the right, too. Perfectly fine with all this. Oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Well, they were insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Right, that's what they cry over and over again. This returns me to my central point of all this. Local 
local, local. We're winning at the local level. You may not see it. You might think that it is futile. You might think because you only consume that which you see on the internet in the 24-hour news cycle. But I'm here to tell you, it's a whole different world out there in the real world. Whole different world. And a really, really good one. Don't get blackpilled. Do what you can. Focus your energy into what you can do to build a better tomorrow. Your ancestors are proud of you. They're looking over your shoulder right now. They're proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Your little bits, whatever it is that you can do, they're proud of you. They're going to continue to be proud of you. As long as you're doing something. Making that forward progress. Now, with all of that said, brushbeater.store. All of your cool merch, everything that you want from t-shirts to drinkware to the awesome range cards. Get this range cards. I am pulling one up off the desk right now. I have the full-size range cards will be back in stock later this week. They are getting finished right now by my distributor and my manufacturer, and they will be in my hands by the end of this week. Of course, it's going to be a big announcement when they're done, when they go back up. I still have a few of the micro range cards that are in hand. Um, this product was really a sleeper hit. Uh, there was another company that was out there that was offering these online. I saw them on social media. Uh, I thought that it was really cool, and I bought five of them from this other vendor, and they never materialized. In fact, I never got a confirmation email. I never got anything. Um, yeah, and, and so basically they took my money and ran, and when I put that up on, on uh, Twitter, a lot of other people had the same story, and I think that's really unfortunate that somebody would do that in our community, that they, they would rob someone in, in our community like that, and apparently a lot of people. And so that kind of generated a lot of questions from my end because I saw that there was another guy out there that was making them. I reached out to him, and I said, hey, man, you know, this is how many I want. This is a wholesale deal. What What is your price point? And bam, we made it. We made it work. Um you know, and, and my whole thing is getting real products in the hands of you out there. I'm not concerned with, you know, chasing a government contract or any of this other stuff. Things that have come across my desk over the years, right? I am not concerned about that. I'm not interested in doing any of that. My interest is in training you out there. And now I have a venue to get you equipment that I personally use. So, you know, this is really the beginning. And I didn't think that this was going to have the response that it had. And so I was unprepared. I was completely unprepared. You know, I did my first run, which was several hundred of these and uh, of, of the um, of the large range cards and the small, uh, the micro range cards, like the one I have in my hand right here. And I was thinking that, man, 
uh, you know, it, it's going to take forever to sell these. So I'm just going to get a whole bunch of them, 400, and I'm going to have these 400 of each, and bam, you know, like, that, that'll that be good. <laughs> they sold out in a week, man. Um, you know, a little over a week, and I've still, I, I had uh, a few of these uh, micro-range cards that I had stashed away, earmarked away for class, and I had a few of the, the big ones, 10 to be exact, that I was going to sell in class. And all of a sudden, bam, oh, oh no, I, I got to sell these too um, because people were clamoring for them. And so I reached out to my supplier and said, hey, man, you know, we're going to burn the midnight oil making more. You know, and and uh, I have no doubt that these this next one is going to go fast too. But the micro range cards, let me talk about what this is. You can go to brushbeater.store. You'll see it. It's up there. Uh, you'll see the pictures of it. And I really need to make a video on using this. I need to make a lot of videos on a lot of things. And I'm going to be doing that here in the near future. Of course, I've been saying that for a little while now. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Training calendars should be slowing down a little bit. Uh, second half of June, and then you know I'm going to be making some time going into the fall to do some cool stuff uh, as, as things slow down a little bit, trying to anyway. But uh, this micro-range card. So if you've ever looked through a Soviet scope, so like a PSO or a uh, um, uh, POSP or a Romanian Tip 2, Right, you know that they have that little choke type rangefinder, and and the way that this works is that is the average height of a man, right, one point eight meters. And so this is really idiot proof to use this. You simply put the feet of your targets. So, you know, we're range finding uh, a person here. Put the feet of your target at the the uh, bottom line, right, that's parallel with the ground. And wherever their head touches, so you know you've got one through nine, and it's it's a choke rangefinder there, and that tells you you know roughly based on averages, right? It's not completely exact, but but you're within the margin of error there, how far away they are, right? You know, well what's really cool about the micro ranger card, and and the big ranger card, you've got the uh, average height of a man, you've got the average height of a fence post, you've got the average height of a uh, SUV, a shipping container, a uh, semi-truck, right? You, you have each of those. And, and so that, that's a very useful tool for um, static site observation to quickly range off different things that may be in, in a target that you're watching. This Micro Ranger card, though, th this is, you know, it's it's the size of a credit card. It can fit in your pocket. Really cool, um, pretty robust, too. This one that, that I just pulled out, I've been carrying in my pocket now uh, for two weeks, and it, it's, um, it's really nice, really, really nice, and, and it's held up well. But this one is really cool because it has the average height of a man and then a fence post under that. And so if you're like me and you're in a rural area, you're you know primarily in a rural area mostly, there's a lot of fences out here. And sometimes, you know, I have to range stuff off that's fence posts that, you know, there ain't no people there. You know, deer season's coming up and you know, I might have to, to uh, range find off how far that deer is. You know, it's, it's a thing. That's one potential use for it. There's a lot of fences out here. Uh, 
But I've also got something else that's extremely useful, and it is a bullet drop compensator for 5.56 out of an M4A1, right? So 14 and a half inch barrel, you know, 5.56 you're shooting. Uh, out of that would be M855. But again, you know, this, this is an average. It's designed to get you on center of mass. So the way that you want to use this, right? So uh, you have your, your choke that is going upward, kind of the, the flute of it is, is going upward, if you will, for the height of a man. Well, the bullet drop compensator, you'll notice, is, is the inverse of that. It's going the opposite way. And so what you want to do is first range to target, right? And so let's say I've got a target that is 300 meters away. So what I want to do is take that, that flat line, that, that uh, parallel line to the ground, and I will want to put that center of mass on my target. Wherever the uh, downward slope on the bullet drop compensator, and, and again, you can if, if you're not picturing this, you're not following along with this, you can see the images of it online at brushbeater.store, uh, or if you have one in front of you, as uh, hundreds of you now do, you can, you can pull this thing out and you can look at it. Well, as the downward slope is going down, that's going to tell you where you're expected, based on averages, where your bullet point of impact is going to be. And so if that's, say, like 400 meters, that's beginning to, to maybe uh, land at the feet of your target, then you just simply lift it up a little bit, right? Lift it up over your target just a little bit to, to compensate for that point of aim, right? Or that, that point of impact, rather. That parallel line at the top is going to give you your new point of aim. So you're going to have a very quick reference to know where holdovers need to be. Really, really cool device. Really, really cool device. And of course, the uh, mini chem light slot, which uh, a lot of people have asked me about. What's the point behind the mini chem light slot? What am I supposed to do with this? Well, you know, you're not going to be really using this thing at night because, you know, unless you're using night vision with this. Um, but you put your mini chem light in there. Because as you're, you know, in, in the uh, middle of the day, even getting into kind of the dusk hours, sometimes the, the uh, indentions here, the markings on this can uh, wash out as you're looking through it, you know, 18 inches away from your eye. That's what the piece of 550 cord is for. It comes with it. It's 18 inches long. Um, but... You put that 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 mini chem light in there, and what that's going to do is, like a fiber optic, it's going to light up all of the etching on there, and so you're going to be able to see that. All right, so even during the, the the brightest parts of the day, you can still look through that with that little mini chem light that, that's lit up in there, and you're going to be able to see it. All right, so that your etchings won't wash out. And that that's the point behind that. Um, Again, I've been carrying this thing for a couple weeks now. I think that this is the most genius product that has been launched on, you know, any platform for shooting in a while, in a long while. And and uh, so I got so excited when I saw him out there and I reached out to the guy that makes them, you know, and, and he was super, super amped about getting the products out there, doing the wholesale deal. Of course, it is branded with the diamond skull and resistor of Contras, uh, you know, my logo for Brush Beater Training and Consulting. 
you know, as well as his. And uh, man, I, I'm going to tell you, it, it's just I, I have been so, so impressed with the response this community has given in buying these and really supporting me, uh, supporting us, supporting the mission. It's it's really something special, and all I can all I, all I can say is thank you for that. Uh, of course, all the field manuals are back in stock. We got a couple of new ones. Um, you know, it's it, it is it is really really something special to see this web store grow. And uh, I've got some pretty ambitious plans. Now I can't let the cat out of the bag yet. Because I don't like promising things only for some unforeseen hang-up to, to kind of prevent or delay the delivery. I really don't like doing that. Um, I, I would rather just hit you with something awesome. And, and I'm going to say this. We have got some really, really cool things coming out on the horizon. Um, I'm really, really excited. We're, we're going to be launching some really awesome products through the store. It is stuff that this community needs. It is stuff that uh, is being sold in a way that I don't think anybody else out there can compete with. And not only that, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon doing what they're doing. You know, eBay is certainly not a, a friendly company either. But if I can bring these products in, and I know what our community needs because I've got my ear to the ground. I know what we use in class. I know what you need. I know what you don't need. And if I can offer these products at a competitive price point and get them into your hands, I'm going to do it 100% and then some. That's the mission. That is the mission. To equip you, to prepare you, to train you to the best of my ability. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Of course, quick shout out to my show sponsors out there. Of course, the Jorge Morvik show over on TNTradio.com. You can also listen to him on uh, any of the major podcasting platforms out there. CivilDefenseManual.com. Jack Lawson's two-volume set. I wrote the communications chapter in that book, and I think that it is worth the price of admission Alone, And I'm going to have Jack on the show in the near future as well. I think that he is he, he is going to be a very fun interview. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. We It's kind of having to hit a bullet with a bullet. These past couple weeks have been extremely challenging for me uh, timeline-wise. But we've got some cool guests lined up. Of course, Blacksmith Publishing. Blacksmith Publishing, my very good friends. Over there, doing the Lord's work, of course, Special Operations Legends, Paul LeFevre and Mike Blackburn. Awesome guys. You can't ask for a couple of stronger, God-fearing patriots than those two guys over there. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, and, and it, is, it, it is an honor beyond words uh, to be able to just say that they are a sponsor of this show and uh, soon, I think within a month, uh, there should be there should be a podcast popping up that we did that was pre-recorded. Um, of course, they, they have they have a pretty crazy schedule, and uh, they they do things a little ways out. And so I'm really excited when that one drops because that was a heck of a lot of fun. 
Of course, last, certainly not least, my frequent guest and partner in thought crime, Mr. Joe Dolio of tacticalwisdom.com. His four-volume set, and I broke bread with him last week quite a bit. We had some good conversation. And I have it on good authority that his fifth volume will be out before too long. So all of you that have been clamoring out there for a fifth volume of the Tactical Wisdom series, what a wonderful set of books to have, a lot of knowledge that is in there, a lot of practical knowledge that is in there. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't ask for a better guy that wrote it. You really can't. Straightforward, honest, to the point. You know, and, and of course, you, you've you heard us on uh Council on Future Conflict and uh, the Privy Council. And, uh, you know, of course, he's been here, frequent guest on Sons of Liberty Live as well. Folks, you know, it is really good to be back in the saddle, back in the captain's chair, back in the Commandante's radio room here. It has been way too long, but thank you for being such a wonderful audience. Thank you for being the best audience in the world, the best audience in podcasting and the best community that is out there, the most resilient one, bar none. Don't get blackpilled. Don't ever do it. Get out there and do something productive. Get out there and do something positive because they want you beat down. They want you depressed and they want you to believe that you don't have any means to fight them. When the propaganda is at its highest, that's when you know you're winning. Because if they were winning, they wouldn't have to work so hard. God bless, folks, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out.